0: Hey everyone, you're listening to another episode of Lifelong
1: Learner with Janesh and special guest Steve Grace. Hope you enjoy. Welcome back everyone to another episode of Lifelong Learner. So today I am joined by Steve Grace. Welcome to the show, mate. Thank you
0: for having me. It's always exciting to go on other people's shows.
1: I know. (laughs) So Steve, you've got a show as well and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, So Steve, you're based in Sydney and mate, so you trying to read your your sheet and to do a bit of research on you and it's hard to really wrap in a sentence or two sentences what you do and I think that's a that's a great thing. I think you, um, things outside the sheet, I'm going to share that and I'm going to throw it to you to share on, on the paper what you do but I see you as a hyper connector, hyper collaborator, nothing is ever too big of an idea for you and you're a yes person. Right, like, and your energy is contagious. So, Mike, can you now? Now you can fill in the blanks out of that.
0: Well, well, you've started with Enigma. Where do you go from there? It's um, <laughs> it, it's a really interesting one because it's hard to articulate what, not just what I do, but what we what we do as a collective, like within our companies, because it just constantly changes. I mean, I think. That's been. That's what I like most about it. There's no. I mean, there is. There's a course thing that we do, right? Which is recruiting for startups. Mm. But we we focus more on doing the other things, and then the recruitment just sort of flows in. We don't go out there looking for recruitment. That's that's almost a byproduct of all the other things. I think the easiest way to articulate what the Nudge Group and Balance the Grind as well does, which is the two the two key companies, right? There's a new one coming this year, by the way, which we can touch on if you oh. want. But um, what they do is well. Nudge Group is there to help founders grow their businesses globally from when they start them to when they exit them. So that can be anything from raising money to creating PR to creating buzz to hiring to launching into new countries to creating an ESOP plan like literally anything Mm. and I'm meeting what five to ten founders every month and they all want something different and whatever they want we, we try and do which is why it's very hard to articulate. So we've come up come up with a new term we're calling ourselves and it's actually really dull and i need to find a more interesting way of describing it well we're calling ourselves a growth consultancy because that doesn't mean anything to anyone so we, <laughs> we can just imagine anything we want with that um and then you've got Balance the Grind, and Balance the Grind is very different. You know, that's a publication, mm. and that is really articulating stories around how people live their lives and how they balance their work life across things like finance, across things like climate, across things like their careers, across um, wellness, and all those kinds of things. And they do – I mean, they're two separate companies. They do mm. kind of match together, but they're different. I mean, Balance the Grind is – it's global, it's far more, it's much larger in the US than it is here in Australia. And, and it's not really recruitment, it's not startup specific, but it has a big audience that's in that space. So they, they tie up together. I think that's the best way to describe it. Yeah, awesome.
1: Mate, within <laughs> the Nudge Group, how many, how many different arms is there?
0: Arms or products?
1: Just say products, they go products.
0: Products in my head or products that we actually have? Because there's a lot in here. <laughs> Um, <laughs> products, and, products that you have at the moment. Actually, I don't know. Let's name them because I've never done this. So we've got <laughs> – it's a really good question. We've got Nudge Experience, which is really early-stage help. Yep. We've got Nudge Connect, which is connecting people with investors. Mm-hmm. We've got Nudge Culture, which is a new thing that's just come out, which is helping them um, really define and articulate their culture to the public. Mm-hmm. You've got Give It A Nudge, which is obviously the show, and then you've got Nudge As A Service, which is a subscription-based model or larger scale-ups. And then you've got, obviously, London, Singapore, Australia. We do a lot in the US. We haven't opened there. And we're opening in Dubai this year as well. Yeah. So that's Nudge. So gotcha. how many was that? I didn't count. Five, six. Seven. Yeah, let's go
1: with this. So six, nudge, nudge as a service, is that everything included?
0: Nudge as a service is new. Um, trying it, We launched it in the UK. It's hard to launch it in Australia because... The volumes aren't here in terms of the amount of people they hire. We're still trying to model it to make it more attractive financially. It's not that big a win here as it is somewhere in the UK, the US, or, or even Dubai. Mm-hmm. But yeah, notice service subscription, so it's a monthly amount. You get a dedicated person either on site or not on site, and you just get you get everything. It's unlimited everything essentially, um, and you know exactly how much you're going to pay, and it doesn't change. And and if you're hiring more than 50 people a year, mm-hmm. that's kind of when it really makes a lot of sense. Anything under that, it's kind of maybe, maybe not.
1: Mm-hmm. Mate, awesome. And the nudge uh, nudge culture, right, is that, as you said, uh, articulating that text and all, is that to, to brand the company to get
0: people to come in? Or? It's a cool product. It's yes and no. So there is a... CEO of one of the um, co-working accelerators, yeah. who I know everyone. And he came to me with this product, and I was like, this is awesome. And for what could only be described as a reasonable price, I think it's 200 bucks a month. yeah, Or maybe it's 250, I'm not entirely sure. Um, we'll build you a page, we'll put videos in it, we'll articulate the story, and you can have that on your website, you can have it separately, and it really gives you a public-facing portal, part of your website, whatever you want to use it, that shows what it's like to work there, what the culture you're trying to build is, where it's maybe come from, the history, all that kind of stuff. Culture has become such a key, key thing, and most people find it quite hard, particularly technology founders, to articulate that well. So he came to me with this kind of way of doing it, cookie-cutter way of doing it, and we are building them something to help them either hire directly or to help us hire or or whatever it be. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a small recurring revenue for us, which is always nice because there's no recurring revenue in recruitment because no one uses contractors in the startup world. But um, it's more about giving them a chance at getting that message out without actually having to sit in front of someone because it's hard to get candidates to sit in front of you. So it's, Mm. yeah, it's like the About Us page on steroids.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Do you do anything with them to help uh, integrate that culture or...
0: We do. It's yeah. not part of the Nudge Culture product because that's, yeah. that's really, we're sort of white-labelling that for my friend. Yeah, cool. Um, but we do that anyway. I mean, we do a lot of workforce planning. We'll help them. Mm. You know, we're, we're the, the chat BT, chat GBT. That's what we do. They ask us <laughs> and we do it, right? Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we do. We do help them. I mean, some people need it, some don't. You know, yeah. that, that's the really interesting thing about startups is that, they all want something totally different. They never, they're never the same, which is which. Is what makes it so interesting?
1: Mm-hmm. Are you finding the just on the culture piece that some uh, some of the founders are? Ha- it's easier, or some of it's harder to actually articulate that or be really clear on what they're about. yeah.
0: I mean, you only have to watch. Might give it a much show to see the different personalities, right? Tech founders are very different to marketing founders, to product founders, to sales founders, to legal founders. There's a lot of founders that are lawyers and second-time founders and first-time founders and third-time founders. They've all got very different personalities and different abilities, so they're completely different. Um, Ironically, technology founders, which everyone thinks would be the hardest, are not. It's actually the sales based founders who are the worst at creating cultures because they just create a sales culture and they don't believe there is any other culture. So you kind of, it's a, it's a, whereas the tech founders at least know that other cultures exist, sales founders just believe it's sales up there. So you have to have some interesting conversations which don't always go as planned.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and then just on the, the startup world, first talk about, Australia and then talk about globally. In the last, would you say, let's take 18 months, are you finding there's more and more volume of startups coming up? Uh, what are you seeing there Gosh. in terms of not volume, of, not necessarily size, but in terms of just startups in general? It's
0: a big question because there's so much happened in 18 months. Yeah. I mean, there's so much happened in the last five months. You've seen a 180 on on the whole uh, market. Mm. Look, absolutely. I think Australia's startup ecosystem is much younger in size Mm -hmm. than UK, even Singapore, US, so forth. Um, There's a lot of earlier stage companies here, Mm. a lot. So there's a lot that are going to head towards Series A this year and next year, which is great. Mm -hmm. There's not that many going Series B, Series C, Series D, Series Z. So you've got... Some that have been there a while, you know, the obviously if you want to call them startups, they're not really now. The canvas and the safety cultures, right, have sort of gone past startup and scale up now. You've got a few others that are following in their first steps that most people still wouldn't have heard of, but some would have, like maybe an employment hero, for example. Um, but then there's a lot under that, whereas if you look overseas, they've probably got a lot more at the top level. So we, we've got this, we're going to go through the, what do you call it, the, the crazy hockey stick, right? We, go, we sort of have this dip and we're going to see this massive surge in different startups succeeding. And you're seeing that in funding now. You know, everyone's saying there's no funding. There's plenty of funding. It's just going to different people. It's smaller checks going to smaller companies rather than bigger checks going to bigger checks, which I think is great. And what Mm. I believe needed to happen here in Australia, that's Australia.
1: Yeah. Why do you think Australia is somewhat behind the curve compared to the rest of the world? Like I say that because I used to live in the States and it's like there, it's like you have an idea and the, you have an idea, and you say it to one person at a dinner party, and it's next thing you know, it, you're getting an introduction, and it's like, well, oh, hold on, it's just an idea. And here, it's like, hey, why is do you think it's either perceived harder, and or kind of hearing from you as well that we're here in Australia, we're just a few stages, or feels like sometimes a few decades behind.
0: Look, it's not, um, it's not perceived harder at all. I think, I think that scenario you described is beginning to happen a lot, a lot more here. Mm. Um, it, to, honestly i think it's funding the funding wasn't here you know if you go back five years there was a handful of VCs. now there's thousands mm. there just wasn't that support in funding and the us and uk weren't interested enough to come here and fund companies because the market was so small so i think now you've got this flavor of the month if you like and, and it's a, it's a really interesting question because i ask this all the time Australia behind the world in everything, right? We're, we're one of the fastest adopters of technology yet, behind the world in everything. Now, I understand back when the ancestors came here, right, it took two and a half weeks to get here on a boat, of course you're going to be behind. You don't hear about anything. But we've been able to fly here in under 24 hours for a very long time, so I don't understand why Australia is behind. I still don't. Obviously, being British, I've been here 22 years now. I still don't get it. We just always seems to be behind. We're ahead in the time zone as well. It's completely messed up. <laughs> Um, doesn't make any sense. We should be ahead of them all, right? I don't know. I think mainly it's funding and I think that's changed. And I think it's just become more acceptable. I think the new generation, it's all entrepreneurship is is a way of life for people almost as they come out and even when they come through school now, because it's so easy to start businesses, barriers are gone. So but I think it was mainly funding that that probably kept us smaller in that world, I guess, mm-hmm. than perhaps.
1: Are you seeing now in Australia there's less barriers to entry in this? Completely. I mean, there's
0: a lot of, lot of VC money. There's a lot of programs like Antler and things like that that, that, will, you know, have, that works for certain people, not for others. But I just think COVID created a whole bunch of founders who had to be, who had no other choice. Yeah. I think COVID has also shown you that you can do things that perhaps you didn't. Mm-hmm. Think you could do? You know, they've been put in scenarios where they've overcome things. The working from home, the work-life integration rather than balance, which we talk about that on on Master Grime. I think it's completely changed people's mindsets. It's almost set, I think, a whole bunch of people free from their previous limiting beliefs that they might have had. And I think when you combine that with an aging population in a small population, which means it's far more accentuated. It, it's almost, it had to happen. Otherwise, who knows what would have happened. I think it's, it's one of those, throw them in a corner, they're going to do something. It's kind of that scenario. Mm-hmm.
1: And straight after COVID, did you see a lot more like, potential influx coming to, to the Nudge group in terms of for support?
0: During COVID. During COVID. COVID. Um, COVID was possibly the best thing could have happened to Nudge. I mean, we started Nudge six months before COVID, so it wasn't long. Yep. And... You know, the first month, everything looked pretty, pretty dire. And not many people were giving us a call. Had to be saying, not many people were hiring. So, and that's when we started the podcast, nothing else to do. But, but um, probably about a month after, it just went nuts. And it went nuts for a number of reasons. One, people were made redundant. And they, again, that's that corner and they had to do something. Mm. But more so, you had suddenly everyone had to be in the cloud. So, cloud based companies take off. Um, suddenly everyone had to buy online so all the online retailers and e-commerce took off. Suddenly there were no service couldn't get in the office so everyone had to move to software as a service. So if you think about the nature of startups Mm -hmm. um, all those companies became necessary they were needed so they all exploded and they were all the startups. And then the following sort of wave that came behind that was this just wave of innovation because everyone was at home and thinking differently and you know the whole brains were being rewired so it was absolutely the best thing ever and everyone was at home and we just pumped the content out so they everyone had known about us whether they wanted to or not basically we made sure of it (laughs) yeah i love it
1: love it um wow that's awesome and just going back one step you mentioned uh about people like the reason you said oh they're put in a corner and they've had to kind of smash through their their limiting beliefs now, why do you like again? As a whole, like society has a limiting beliefs, and they potentially stop them. Right? They tell them these bit of these stories and go, "I can't do that. I don't want to give up. I've had this dream on starting A, B, and C." And why do you potentially think it's easier for some,
0: or um, some, or some
1: actually act past that limiting belief? Right? So limiting beliefs, I know. In my opinion, it's everyone's got them, and you just kind of choose to listen to them or act on them. Why do you think? Like, say, people in the startup world kind of either push them to or have another, say, empowering belief instead.
0: I mean, if you talk, and, and you probably talk to view, I talk to a lot, um, there's always something that made someone become a founder. And you can pretty easily get back to it. It's usually something that's happened in their life. It's an event that they saw. It could be someone passing away. It could be having a disabled Um, partner it could be something they saw on television or more often than not it's their parents right and which is why you see a lot of immigrant founders because their parents had to come and start businesses and i think it's it's necessity that sort of created that um that that's going back um i think belief systems are built by by your parents and i think self-improvement is a relatively new thing and it's a lot more accessible now. You know, you got a lot of those books that sometimes can be a bit heavy. Audible's kind of solved that problem for a lot of people. Mindfulness sort of came in before that. You know, people started getting interested in improving themselves and realised they had limiting beliefs that they had no idea they had before. It's almost like like Terminator, right? It's like self-awareness. They became self-aware and then they decided to do something about it. I think that has probably been a big factor of it. I think most people didn't know they had limiting beliefs. And I think in a country like Australia, where it's beautiful, you've got incredible weather, you've got incredible environment, you've got incredible sort of standard of living, why change it? You know, people necessarily not not needing to change it so they don't look. And then I think all these things that have happened have just opened people's eyes. I really do think that's probably a big part of it.
1: Yeah, awesome. Mate, good segue. And mate, tell me what, how <laughs> did balance and grind? How did it, how was it born? What was inception there?
0: It's quite a cool story actually. So, Hal Newland, who's my head of content, mm-hmm. he had a kid, and when he had a kid, he decided to start writing a blog. He's a writer. He was working in advertising agencies and creative agencies. Started to write a blog called Balance to Grind, about work-life balance, right? And he thought, I'm going to start interviewing people. Mm-hmm. And that's what he did. And he did that for, like, five years. And he'd interviewed me about a year before we bought it. And he also came to me for sponsorship. And he asked me, I think he asked me five grand. And I said, look, if it was a couple of hundred, I'd consider it, but it's a lot of money. And he went, okay, I'll take a couple of hundred. And this was, I didn't really think much to it anyway, so we sponsored him. I think we ended up giving him five hundred. So we sponsored some of the articles. And he then came to me about a year later and he said to me, You just literally rang me up. And he said, I want you to buy balance the grind. And I'm sitting here, I'm just a year with nudge going, what are you talking about? I'm running a crypto business. Why I, well I'm like, I don't know anything about that. What, what, what's going on? He goes, look, I, I don't understand business, as was evident by his negotiation around the uh, the money that we gave him try it. Um I don't have any money to do it, but I want it to be more and I just want to write. And I always thought that we got on really well, which we mm-hmm. did. And he goes, I thought it, there was a nice sort of synergy between the two companies. Mm-hmm. So I said, look, I'll tell you what, you're currently working at can company remember which agency it was. Why don't you come and work for me? Because I'm about to start hiring a head of content because we we're pumping out the content and it was, it was killing my time trying to do that. And I need someone who can write. And you can keep doing it on the side as you are. And if we're still talking about it in six months, we'll, we'll think about it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, six weeks after he started me, I bought it because it became so obvious after he started sitting next to me all day every day. And we've changed it. I mean, it's it's now, you know, it's a publication rather than a blog. It's got advertising. It's got a paywall that's going to be going up. It's got a strategy. It's got all sorts of things. And he's loved that because he's got to see it become something more that he wants to. He still drives it and still sort of runs it um we just fund it <laughs> mm-hmm. but he's also completely transformed nudge and together they definitely become stronger so it's quite a cool story and he's he's just one of the most incredible people i mean i feel so lucky to have him in our team and i still feel like i feel so lucky that to, to um to have ownership of balance the grind and it, the other thing was he insisted that i bought all of it he didn't want to keep any of it but we actually gave him 10% back this year because I've just felt so guilty about that for the last few years. <laughs> um, and he actually looked kind of
1: happy about it. So I think it was the right thing to do. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so good. And he's finding, so balance, you balance, say, your grind quite well on a personal level, right? What would you say you're, <laughs> right? Like you're, you're constantly working out, mate. Lucky and Raph are putting stuff up that I, we're seeing Steve again here and there. And, um, <laughs> What do you say, let's go in your personal world, like for you, um, what do you do to keep everything in check?
0: So I'm a lot older than I look. So I've had time to learn mm-hmm. what works and what doesn't work. Um, look, exercise is a key thing for me. Um, I'm also lucky enough that I've worked for myself now for probably 18 years over three companies that I've had. Um, and so during that time, I've had children and I was, it was easy for me and it was always important for me that I was present um, to stop working at four, come home, be with the kids, start working at eight and work eight till midnight. I always kind of did that, right? So I guess that taught me that you really do have control and it's, it's really the balance isn't necessarily something that's consistent. It changes all the time. And that's one of the, the three messages we try and get out through BTG is that balance changes all the time. Balance is very different for everyone um, and balance will change as your life changes. And it just, I think what it did was it, it convinced me I can really control it and that I should control it. So, you know, right now I'm prioritizing. There was a period in my life um, where I wasn't in a particularly happy place. And I, I I sort of prioritized meditation, not really meditating right now. What I'm doing right now is exercising a lot. So I think it's, it's sort of constantly evaluating and going. Well, what do I what do I need right now to make me perform at the right level? Um, and and changing that continuously. There's no set and forget. Mm-hmm. But it's just again, it's almost it's that self awareness. Mm-hmm. That's the key.
1: How old are your kids now, Steve?
0: They are fourteen and twelve. So in a few months, he will also be thirteen, and she will be fifteen. So then there'll be two teenagers, which is terrifying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I was going to ask you, I'll, I'll come back to that one. I'll come back to that one.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm fascinated to know what that was now. <laughs> no, I'm coming back.
1: I've, uh, I've, I've parked that one. Like with uh, with balance, and do you think balance is – so it's interesting. I've got a view of balance, like say, and I think – I don't know. My bad definition of balance sometimes is like, you know, I'm not sure if balance exists because part of me thinks, look, do you have to rob Peter to pay Paul? Like, can you, if you're all going the same direction, and it's probably the same definition of someone's balance. I've gone, if you all go in the same direction, then it's all, in, it's all in a bit of harmony. Like, I think that the old school picture of, like, the, the weighing scales, right? And going, yeah. oh, I need to take from this one to give to this one. I'm like, no, but I want more on this one too. And can you, is there a way, do you think, to have it all?
0: I feel like I'm in a women's magazine as soon as I hear <laughs> someone say that. This is this Cosmo? <laughs> um, I think it depends what you mean by all. The only finite thing that you have is time, right? That's the only thing you can't yeah. Now, how you use that time, you can meet two of your needs, three of your needs, one of your needs, eight of your needs with that time, mm. and you can do a lot of them simultaneously. So if you're a little bit smarter about these things, for example, if you want to keep self-improving through learning, you can listen to podcasts while you run, right? That, you know, that's doing two things at once is an example. So I think you have to think about things like that. And I think you also have to understand that balance is, it depends what you're trying to achieve, what your goals are. It's like doing a business review every quarter. We do it every quarter. What do we want to achieve this quarter? And then it's held ourselves accountable for it. It's the same thing. It's the same process. So, you know, is it this quarter I really want to get my surfing better? In which case I'm going to go surfing every single day and then maybe next quarter, I just want to maintain it, so I'm going to go two times a week. You know, balance completely changes. Whereas this quarter, I really need to increase the revenue, so I'm going to work two hours longer every day. Is that balance? Well, it, it's, it's a balancing act. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think... Having equal balance in what you would call personal and work life is rubbish. I don't think mm-hmm. that exists because they just change continuously. And a twenty-year-old guy who wants to be a partner of a law firm has very different goals mm-hmm. to a 42-year-old guy who's a gut go- runs a gardening business, right? So yeah. it's it's important to remember, remember that balance is a very personal thing and it's a constant changing.
1: Mm. Do you think now with a lot of like just general society awareness of mindfulness, mental health? burnout breakdown, that this is more relevant than
0: ever? Yes, I think it is. Um, is balance more relevant than ever? No, I think, again, I've said this so many times, I feel like a broken record. Self-awareness is more aware. Mm. That is the most important thing right now. What is it you're trying to do? What is it you want to do? Where is it you're going? Mm-hmm. It's having a thought about that and just making sure you, you're doing something that's taking you in that direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, now some people will be single-minded and they won't do anything that doesn't take them in that other direction mm. now that's you know that for them that's version of balance right now that's theirs whereas someone else might say yeah i want to get there but i'm not too fussed out quickly so you know i also want to go and achieve this i think covid's changed a lot of things around um the way people think like i said i think people have been almost rewired mm. and i think um, there's a lot of mental health things going on right now. You know, it's really interesting. You talk about working from home, hybrid working, right? So we've just come into some summer holidays. We stay here in Sydney, so I've been sitting on Sydney beaches a fair bit, and there's a lot of 20-year-olds sitting around on Sydney beaches, and you can't help it over here. And, you know, a lot of them, are, they don't want remote-only jobs, mm-hmm. and they want to be going into the office. A lot of them are going, well, I want to go into the office more. You know, I wish everyone else would come into the office because for them, that's where they're building their the new relationships, they've got the school relationships or uni relationships, but they need to build their work relationships, and they're not doing that because they're not going in. They're also not learning by osmosis and they don't even realise they're not learning by osmosis. Mm. They've never experienced that. So I think there's a bit of a swing. Look, we're never going to go back to five days. And anyone who thinks that's mad, yeah, mad. But... I think a lot more people want to go back in. It depends, again, on your personal situation. If you've got kids and it's school holidays, you don't want to go in three times a week. Mm -hmm. If you're living in a shared house and you're all working on a kitchen table, you probably want to go in four times a week. Mm -hmm. So it's it's just thinking about, it's common sense, which unfortunately most of the world doesn't have any of at all at (laughs) any time. But that's that's what I believe is happening at the moment. And that, again, is a balanced thing. You know, Mm -hmm. why do they want to go into work to be more productive? No, because they want to build social networks outside Mm -hmm. of their school. Completely different reasons for wanting to go into the office yeah. than you necessarily think as a owner of a business, but it's still just as important, right? Because that makes them a more balanced human being. Yeah. So again, it's you know so many different you can you can throw a balance around everywhere. Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's uh.
1: So do you think now that we've had this shift of hybrid and full working from home and some are back to hundred percent in the office? Do you think especially this new generation that hasn't had that? Um, that exposure, so to speak, before, do you think they're going to lack this human connection, lack this like social awareness, some of these social skills? And as you said, that learning from osmosis, I'm a, I'm a big fan of learning from osmosis. Sometimes you can learn how it's done, but then especially like a pace of something's doing it. Like if you're working next to someone that's working at a certain pace, there's something electric about that or working in a Absolutely. certain way. And you don't get that through a screen. And is that, are we going to lose it? What do you
0: think? Are no, you- no, no, I don't think we are at all. In, in, in any, if anything, actually, there's two things I want to touch on in this, right? Yeah. Two things. So, one, there are two different types of personalities, right? There's gonna, there's always going to be personalities who do 100% remote. The remote, the working nomad, right? Mm-hmm. That has become, they've built their own communities. Yep. You know, you've got companies like Midstay, you've got companies like, oh, I forgot another one, where they're creating these. These places in Bali or Vietnam or wherever it is where people come literally to work and they'll go and live there for three months and they'll work and they'll work with other people. Some of them are entrepreneurs, some are freelancers, mm-hmm. some are just employees. So they're learning. In, arguably, they're getting a much more diverse learning osmosis experience. Um, certain careers don't need you to learn osmosis, such as programming. It's not, not necessarily as evident. They sit there with headphones on, it's not quite the same. Whereas sales or being a lawyer or things like that that are far more sort of service-driven you can only really learn the, the little leaky bits by, by osmosis, um, So I don't think you're going to learn that. But what the interesting thing is that I read a report, was it this morning? I don't know what time is it, 4.30, yeah, probably this morning, um, from Accenture. Um, and I don't normally take much notice of this, but this was interesting to me because it was relevant to Bounce the Grind in that right now people are pushing away from social media they are sick of the fakeness of it. They, you know, everyone's, so, everyone's seen the shows about how they use a toilet seat to make it a bit like an aeroplane, all this kind of stuff, right? And they don't trust it anymore. They don't trust the news. They don't trust politicians. They don't trust them. So they're trying to find their own communities where they can learn from. And it's, you're, you're going you're to see this swing to community-based companies, community-based platforms, community-based living, community-based working, all this kind of stuff. So it's a different form of osmosis. But I don't think we're going to lose it. I think it's just evolving.
1: Mm. Yeah. And do you think, yeah, so but how do we in the meantime, while it is evolving, right? <laughs> I'm like, Obviously. Yeah, exactly. And is it, and how do we bring people's awareness to, hey, you might not be going in, um, you might be optional, right? A company might be, hey, optional, come in if you want, right? But then there's a, there's some serious benefit of going. Hey, there is um. There's like a, a staff lunch on. There's benefit of that. And how do we bring people's awareness to to this benefit? On oh, after year two years of being COVID, and they've gotten potentially this comfortableness of going. Oh, I've just kind of I don't need to go out. I don't need to do or want to do or not. But then there's. How do we bring that, bring, increase people's awareness that go, you know what, like human connection is beneficial and on a number of different levels?
0: I think people know it is. I think it's just making sure you're connecting with the right people. I mean, like, I think companies need to take the lead with this. So I would highly, highly recommend against saying you've got to come in five days a week. I think that's the worst thing you could do. But I think if you go and talk to them about their performance, if you go and talk to them about where they're going with their career, you go, you know, there's normal plans on what you're trying to achieve. If you bring it into that conversation, you know, what is it you're trying to achieve? You want to do this, you want to get better this. Okay, well, then you probably need to come in and do this with this person or this with this person. I think there needs to be a leaning in. Not everyone's in Monday and Wednesday. That's, that doesn't work either. It's like, let's get the people at the right time. So let's get this team in one day a week. That, that team, that, that's it. They can come in other days if they want, but that day, that team has to come in because they're a collaborative team. There's a lot of things around having lunch with people in other teams so that they can learn the other functions. I think you can make some things mandatory. I don't think companies should be shying away from making some things mandatory. They're not going to lose all their staff if they make them come in to a point. Now, if you say everyone has to come in at this time mm-hmm. and it's unreasonable, they'll lose stuff, sure. And I think if some people have genuine reasons for not being able to do that just like we did before we had working mums doing 10 till 4 we had people not working fridays because they were looking after a parent you know there was all those things before they just bring those back but in different ways and i think there has to be an element where a company says right you to be effective in this business this is the minimum we expect you can do as much more as you want but this is the minimum and this is why and make sure it's explained and there has to be a good reason so if you've got one developer in a company there is no reason for that person to come in when the marketing team is that's just stupid right again mm. back to common sense Yes, force people to do things but force people to do things because there's a reason that is easily understood and it makes sense. I think if it makes sense you're not going to get that pushback that's mm. what I Do you see companies being
1: sorry, being shy? In yeah. in asking those things and going, terrified.
0: they're and terrified.
1: Terrified, and they're terrified of people leaving. Go, no, I can't ask that because they're going to up and go, and I can't get them back.
0: But that's because they articulate it poorly. It's a change mm. management thing. If you think about when a company gets bought or they bring in a new system, if they articulate it badly, everyone hates it, and it's a disaster. It's the same thing. Change managers should be should be licking their lips. There should be years' worth of work for them here. If you can articulate things correctly and accurately and make people understand why, there'll be no resistance or minimal resistance. If you just tell them they're doing it because, guess what? I mean, everyone's still a teenager at heart. I'm not doing it just because that said kind of attitude. But if you really explain it and take the time to make sure that message gets across well, and that's much harder in large organisations, I understand that, mm. Same time, you're less likely to lose people in larger organisations because they're less likely to move. People tend to stay in larger organisations longer than than they do typically in others. But yeah, they need to man up a little bit, I think, and stop being so timid. But do it. Don't be a dickhead. Do it in. Do it in a smart and and make sure you explain why. And no mm. one wants to be told what to do unless they understand why. Mm. We're not the army. Mm.
1: Yeah, even yeah. the army want to know why now. For my yeah, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. how has the has, and again in the startup world because you, has there been a labor shortage and i know just going back to now potentially oh, yeah. losing people and and it, conversely has there been a other way around obviously more more founders more startups yeah, and the people that, that would be potentially working or that you would potentially head on and go you know what they're a founder now themselves as opposed to being an employee. Is that the case in in the startup world? Or what are you finding in finding talent?
0: You're seeing all of that, right? So if you go back eight months, there was, there was no one. Like the market was locked like that, right? There were so many jobs. And there'd been so many founders that had come out of COVID and there was so much money flowing through the system that, you know, if you get, let's say, developers, for example, right? Which is always the thing everyone complaining that there were none of. It. If you go and get a hundred people in Sydney who go and start their own tech startup, and then they hire two of their mates, that's three hundred developers gone out of the market just with that. With all those tiny companies, that was hugely problematic, and salaries went through the roof, and so forth. And then we had every you know we had all the visas removed. People, we don't have enough population yet, so that was a huge problem. Combine that with Australia's biggest problem, which is the aging population, and that you have a job market where typically. Most companies, although startups are less this way, but most companies have less people at the top or more people at the bottom. They have a traditional pyramid. I mean, startups are probably a little flatter, but there's still only one CEO and still only one head of tech, right? And everyone else is sort of the, the workforce. And then you've got a job market where candidate-wise, you've got a lot of older senior candidates and a lot smaller population down here. Well, you've got a triangle like that against a triangle like that. It's a massive problem. Um, and that's not going to change. And this doesn't matter what happens in the world. That's not going to go away in Australia problem we're going to have to deal with. People need to start employing people over 50, which is which is a huge issue. Anyway, that's another whole conversation. So that market was stuffed. Now, we've had this spin where you're suddenly seeing all these redundancies and you're seeing a lot of those companies that were being funded no longer getting funding. Best thing that could have to the market. I know probably not the best thing that happens to that individual if you ask them, but if you look at it from whole, best <laughs> thing that could have happened to the market because now there's still a shortage of people. In that space, because like we talked about, there's not enough people here, and there's not enough people. Here, but there are some, so you've got mm. a fighting chance, right? Mm. That's, you've also got a whole people who've been founders who perhaps have not been funded and failed, who don't really want to be founders again. But their understanding of what it takes to work in a startup, and be a founder, is so much greater. They become really valuable employees for other founders. So it really is for Australia, particularly, a positive, positive thing. I'll give you another really good example, and that's the U.S., which to me is one of the most fascinating markets right now because if you think about the U.S. pre-COVID, if you wanted a job in Chicago, you lived in Chicago. If you wanted a job in New York, you lived in New York. Recruitment companies in the U.S. typically have two or three clients. That's it because they're so big. They don't work with anybody else, and they're in the same city as them. Now you've got a market where if you want a job in Chicago, you can live anywhere. You can even live in Canada. Like You can literally live anywhere. Sorry, you can literally do it anywhere. And so suddenly they've got huge options. So, yes, you see these max redundancies out of Silicon Valley. But all those Silicon Valley people can work for companies in New York, Chicago, Michigan, anywhere they want. So you're seeing a really interesting market and you're seeing a recruitment agency market that doesn't know what to do because mm-hmm. suddenly they've got hundreds of competitors, thousands even, where they didn't have any. So that's one of the most fascinating markets. And, you know, our London office does so much work in the U.S. right now because mm-hmm. London's stuck. Just, they just, I mean, they just had a disaster after disaster. Of but the companies in the US are just as happy to use a guy in London as they are to use a guy who used to be down the road. So you've had this—it's such a huge shift in that country. I don't know how that's going to pan out, but it's really—it's really interesting to watch it.
1: Mm, yeah, and I know that through a few friends. We were there in July for for a few weeks, and I was like, oh. And a friend of ours lives in another state. I can have you. Do you ever have to go in? He goes, oh, it's optional. I okay. go you live a five-hour flight away. Yep. And he goes, no, nah, my, my computer got sent out, all good. And, um, and I'm like, is that it?
0: He's like, yep, that's it. Uh, that's and-, and that's why those community things are going to be important, right? Because like you said, people will begin to feel isolated, particularly in the States, mm. and they'll need to go somewhere. But they'll go somewhere where there's... Fifty employees from fifty different companies, but they can all still work together and they can still have connection. And I think that's the change you're going to you're going to see: it's community rather than company based. Yeah. Um, how they're going to deal with the IP and sharing information—that's another whole. I mean, they'll just sue each other, I guess. <laughs> in the state. But, but well, that's another. Again, that's another conversation.
1: <laughs> Mate, well, no, it's great because I got a question with that now. But do you think there is in the startup world? Is there a sense of is there a sense of community? In terms of helping each other, uh, other starters, other found ups, uh, sorry, other other found ups, other startups and founders, um, or is there this a little bit of protectiveness in terms of no, that's my IP. This my culture is really good because I do this is my secret sauce and I don't want to give it that. I think is that does that happen or is it a community uh, feel?
0: It's an unbelievable community. I mean. We In my prior business, which I had for eight years, we did some startup work, but we also did mm-hmm. corporate, right? So I wasn't mm-hmm. embedded in the startup mm-hmm. world. So I've only really been embedded, if you like, love that word, in the startup world the last four years. Yep. And it's so collaborative, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it These people have probably got the least amount of time and money than out of everyone. And they are the most generous with those. Mm-hmm. It's they're so generous with their time. They're so collaborative. There is none of this business going on. And anyone who is like that gets ostracized really quickly. And if you're ostracized in the startup world, and you're a startup, you're stuffed. Yeah. So, and they can't afford to be because they need to collaborate because no one's got any money comparatively to the corporate world. Yeah. So it's so community driven. There's so many events. There's so many competitions. I do lots of speaking. I do lots of judging. I do lots of different podcasts. So the same people. Everyone knows everyone. It's incredible, and that everyone is so willing to help anyone. And like you said, like your dinner scenario earlier, your dinner party. If you are in one of these co-working spaces, whether it be a Stone and Chalk or an Atlas Space or a, you know, a, a, I don't know, there's so many of them, right? And there might be eighty founders in there. They'll share everything with each other, and it's awesome. such a nicer place to work. Those corporate spies—they're going to be out of jobs soon. I tell you, they're yeah. whoever they are. We don't know who they are, but um, they'll be the ones that send I guess. But that, it just doesn't exist in the startup world, and, yeah. and I'm that about it.
1: That's awesome, and you don't. And sometimes you find that, like, uh, we we know each other through a business network, Record club, and that's that's my main thing on like community. Super key. Everyone just wants to see everyone succeed, um, yeah. and. And that's what I was saying about not going into the office or not going to it. It's like, oh, where where is this other community piece gonna gonna come from, right?
0: Look at, this, look at the Cub app, right? You, you've seen the app, yeah. When that, when that app came out, I was like, well, I don't know if I'm going to use it. I go on there in the chat area, and obviously there's a, like it's a, it's a closed group, but it's still like fifteen hundred people or something, yeah. But people are just writing anything they want or anything that they've got, and there's never less than five or six responses. Whereas you put something like that on LinkedIn, you're going to get... Oh, you get donuts, absolutely crickets. I can't believe the engagement, and that is a great example of a community. It's business owners, it's 1,500 of them, which is still quite a lot, but it doesn't matter what you post. Mm. Someone's going to... Help you for no reason of benefit of their own. It's I find it quite astounding how engaging that that is, and that's, a, that's another good example.
1: Yeah. Do you think that's an that's an anomaly? That's like say you've got that world in the startup world, which is right, but in greater society, um,
0: what I you- think. That's a good, it's a really, it's a really good question. And, uh, you know, I wish I knew the right answers to all these questions. I can only give my opinion. I'm just going to put that disclaimer in. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm not the oracle. I think that in the greater world, outside of maybe corporate business, I think it's not, I think that's what people want. And again, I think that's a, that's a throwback to COVID in the, mm. you know, we all got locked away in our little suburbs, we're only allowed 5Ks and all those kinds of things that happened. Um, and I think you get that through schools and sporting clubs anyway. I think that's naturally how humans are. i don't think corporates are ever going to be like that They're too no. the, the interesting thing will be when the startups of today become the corporates of tomorrow, what will that look like? Mm. Uh, and the only person who know that answer to that is Elon. no one else Elon Musk, be the only one he's the only one smart enough um <laughs> I don't, but it, be, it will be really interesting to see what happens there. I hope it continues, but who knows? Mm.
1: Uh, yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting.
0: But I think general society has changed a lot more. I think we're we're a lot more helpful to each other mm. than before.
1: Yeah, definitely. I definitely saw after COVID, like obviously multiple types of different people, but like. Either people go, I want community, I'm hungry now for community. And people go, Oh, I'm still okay at the moment to be. uh, That's
0: just introverted and extroverted, right? That's just, that's just the, the, you're always going to have. Yeah, you're always going to have
1: it, right? Always. But you still had the introverts part of community because there was no, it wasn't a real choice before.
0: No, well, they they can talk to AI now. So that's fine. Exactly. Done. There you go.
1: Sorry, Dad. We don't need you. That's it, It's Elon, Elon. Sorry, you don't have to. You can pass on that question, mate. Or you save your time. Yeah. So you mentioned at the start that you're expanding to Dubai this year. So expanding to Dubai, uh, and with all these other offices going, how are you going to balance the grind? How are you? It's not just a small, small thing to just open up, right? With Multiple offices already me, in family. Let
0: me explain my thinking behind that, right? So yeah. there's two reasons that we want to do that. One, I think climate tech is obviously, the well, everyone thinks climate tech. One, we've got to save the planet before it's gone, mm. stuffed, all that kind of stuff. So climate tech is finally getting the recognition, electric cars, funding. It's all, it's all happening. But mm. It's all really happening, which is great because the weather's been stuff. So that's, that's one thing. Um, and the second one is more of a selfish reason in that um, all of our offices perform differently at different levels. And what I mean by that is, you know, right now, Australia is probably going through a dip compared to Singapore. It's going through a boom. London's utterly stuffed. The Re- US is going well. So you've got all these things going up and down, which is great. There's some hedging in there. Dubai, there's no dip. It's pretty constant. It's, yeah. Everyone's buying money, right? And the irony is they're using that money for all the climate techs. So the combination of the two is like, why the hell have we not already done this? It was more the question that came to us at the end of the year. And that's why we're going there. How am I going to balance it? No, I'll just leave it to London, right? It's in their time zone. So that's easy. <laughs> so good.
1: Well, that's an easy answer to that one, isn't it?
0: Well, yeah. And look, I've, I've never been. I mean, I've been to the airport, but I've never left. So I really want to go. And, and that's another driver for me. Like I, whenever I'm looking at your office, it's like, do they have a Grand Prix? And if not, have I, do I just want to go there on holiday and then I can use it for my... Uh, no, I didn't say anything about tax flights. Oh. But no, I, I, just, I also think it's just a fascinating place, right? Mm. What they're trying to do, the 100-mile-long vertical city, mm. this stuff's crazy. How can you not want to go and have some part of that? It's like a... I like anything, I and mean, this is probably why I like startups. I like anything that's pioneering. And Dubai will pioneer anything because they've just got oodles of cash. They can, it doesn't matter. So, how can we not be there? It'd be madness.
1: Yeah. Right. And you said there was something else on the agenda this year. What is that? What's coming? Another so, company.
0: You appreciate this being in Victorian, well, being in Victoria, to be more specific. Um, you may or may not remember because you are younger than me, even though I look a lot younger than I am, as we discussed earlier. But there was a company at the very birth of startups in Australia called YBF Ventures. Mm. YBF stood for the York Butter Factory because that was the building it was in. And it was one of the first co-working accelerators and it got a million dollars, which back then was mental from the from the Victorian government and started to grow. And I was working for Hayes Recruitment and I used to wear a suit and a tie back then. Oh my God. And I was in my 20s and I went in there to try and win some work. And because I was in a shooting attire, the they pretty much shot me down and mm-hmm. sent me out. Anyway, that's when I first started. Start-ups. And unfortunately, it had a lot of success. But during COVID, just before, prior to COVID, they'd taken on quite a lot of co working space. And that was unfortunately their downfall. And it went into receivership. Mm-hmm. Um, I then have a very good friend of mine who you may know because he's also a club member, Matt Brown, who mm-hmm. owns Black Matter. So Matt knew one of the founders of that, and he was going to bid to buy it. And I was also going to bid to buy it. And we were actually on a cub cruise. And I said to Matt, I'm going to go and buy this business. And he said, oh, I'm trying to buy a business as well. <laughs> then we realized it was the same one. And we were the only two people bidding. So we bought, it. So we bought the assets of, of YBF Ventures because neither of us wanted to see the brand die. Yeah. And we're going to be relaunching it this year. Now, it's not going to be relaunched as an accelerated co-working space because we do not want to get involved in commercial real estate ever. But we are relaunching it as an educational arm for early-stage founders through events. Mm. So the idea is to have events in here and, and around Asia for very early-stage founders, pre-series A, um, and we'll get speakers from around the world to come and talk about sales or product or marketing or recruitment or whatever it is. Mm. So but the, the idea is to launch that this year um, with a number of sort of small events. And I'm looking. Well, so much time. It seemed like the obvious thing to do. But um, and Matt too, obviously running a VC fund, and he's also the CTO of a very successful startup, Upflowy. I don't know if you've seen that one; it's mm-hmm. going nuts. But um, so that yeah, we're going to be doing that this year. Don't ask me when, but um, we have a meeting every Thursday morning to talk about it, and we are chipping away at it when we get the time. So that's going to be the new the new thing that's going to come out this right. year. So will there
1: be? I can I am going to ask you a when question. Will there be an event this year?
0: Yes, I'm saying yes. We thought the right. one last year, but we changed our mind. Definitely this year. We will have one this which, year. Which
1: quarter? So you've got to put some accountability on this because if you don't put this out in the third. open,
0: third, great. Probably October. Um, Matt actually spent a lot of last year going to events at like Sasta, mm-hmm. uh, Software as a Service, well, you know, the biggest event. There. actually That's actually coming to Asia, by the way, in February in mm. Singapore for the first time in like five years. Oh, awesome. And he's been talking to them and he's learned a lot and he's imparted that knowledge to me and we're now going to try and do something far smaller than they do. Uh, as a starter. But the, we've got October is our plan. We've speak, spoken to venues. We've spoken to speakers. We just, nice. we'll, we'll get there. We'll look at happen.
1: Yeah, nice. Awesome.
0: And it's going to be sales focused. First one's going to be sales focused because we figure the way the world is right now, yeah. probably, we, we need people to come, right? So yeah. <laughs> let's, let's go with something. Yeah. Cool.
1: Uh, Mike, and this next week, I won't hold you to it because I know now in October is a long time. What do you want this event to feel like? Not what I want to get out of. I'm about to go. Someone that doesn't know you, doesn't know Matt, um, what do you want them to feel like?
0: This is a great question because we have talked about this a lot. Awesome. I do not want it to feel like everything else at the ICCC. I find it's the most soulless place in the world. It's not going to be in a conference centre, I can tell you that. This needs to feel like quite small, quite exclusive, high-end event that is very educational so when I say so for example you you might we might do this in whether this be Melbourne or Sydney it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter because it's got the same connotation we might do it in a crown for Mm -hmm. example now we probably won't because we've got other venues but it's got to have that sort of luxurious Mm -hmm. glamorous high-end feel why you might ask I hear you ask it why Steve I'll tell you why. because Startup founders don't get that in the early stages. When they become like Series D, they get all the glamour and the glitz, but when they're, they've got no money, rent, they don't get any of that. So it's we want them to get an experience of what they may get when they're successful by giving them this really high-end event, but at the same time, the event's actually going to help them get there as well. That's the most important part. Yeah, so, that answer the question?
1: Yeah, it does. It does. Oh, that's awesome. Awesome. Mate, final kind of question for our listeners from... Not only from our conversation, it could be from anything. Um, what would you say? Would you impart, right, from them in terms? Of impart, right? Some some wisdom, in terms yes. of um, either awareness. We talked about self awareness. We talked about um, balancing, and we talked about uh, limiting beliefs. Uh, what would you impart? Like so, the world of startup like everyone in the startup is always forever learning. It's always because things are always changing, right? Not only by the day, by by the minute, right? Like something came out this morning, something may have changed this afternoon, and they're always in this space. So what would you, um, what would you like to share from that for people not only, they might not be in the startup uh, space, they might be in other spaces. What would you like to share?
0: I think change is really hard. Change is typically painful as well. Why is that? That's another question. I think the thing I would like to impart, and I feel a great sense of responsibility in answering this question, um, is habits. Now, I'm sure there's people out there who've read books about habits, atomic habits, all those other things. I think, and the atomic habits is a great book, but there's a lot to digest in doing that book that it asks you to do that I think is not necessarily realistic for a lot of people. The power of habits, just like compounding interest, are Mm mind-blowing. And I think if you want change in whatever way you want it, if you start by changing a couple of habits a year, literally a couple of habits a year, one, it's very easy to do, you'll start to understand the power over that year because habits take time to make changes. But just like everything in life, it, it grows. If you can change a couple of habits in your life for the better, ideally, um, that take you in the direction you want to go, ideally you'll begin to believe that change is perhaps not as hard as you most thought. And I think, you know, I saw a really good, and I have to share this because I saw this the other day, and I hadn't seen this clip for ages, and it was, a, it was a Kobe Bryant being interviewed, and he said that when he was younger, as in his early years in the NBA, he used to get up, his training was I think 7 to 10 or something, and um, and that was pretty much it, the only compulsory training they had, which I found astounding. Anyway, he would get up at 4 and he would train till 6. And then he would go home and he would have breakfast with his family and then he'd go to training and he'd do his training and then he'd go to lunch and he'd do his media stuff and then he'd go back in the evening and he'd do another two-hour training sessions. he was essentially doing four hours when they only had to do two to three. And he said, you do that for five years. He goes, you're so far ahead. It doesn't matter how serious this guy takes his career in his latter years or how much extra effort he puts in now he's never going to catch up with me because I'm that far ahead and that was how he lived his life which was evident in his performance and I think that's the same thing with habits you don't need to necessarily put an extra six hours in but mm. just the power of doing something continuously different you will see enormous change down the track that's great how about that for some wisdom that's Ooh. great Awesome. I hope you recorded that because I'm going to listen back
1: to myself. Wow, that's great. <laughs> that's, uh, if we could fit that on a bumper sticker, that would be awesome, right?
0: Oh Maybe for buses. I'm not sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Steve, mate, thank you for your time. It's Pleasure. Uh, hey, it's been a great conversation. I think um, yeah, we t- we touched on a whole heap of things and uh, it's been fun. So. It's been good to see you. Right, and uh, where uh, for our listeners, where can they find you if they want to get in contact with you? Where's the best place to find you?
0: I think LinkedIn is just the easiest. Yeah, um, great. LinkedIn, but I would I would highly recommend that all of your viewers do go onto YouTube and subscribe to give it a nudge. It's an absolute cracker. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it is good. It is it is great. It is um yeah. There's some some good moments there. Some yeah. moments. We just
0: you on that show. I think we always planned to, didn't we? And then COVID kicked in. And COVID and- happened. Because mm, I like to have people in the studio, so it's yeah. So we'll, we we can you can
1: fly again now. Although it's at least a thousand dollars to fly. From oh mate, if you're them. flying in December like you, mate, it was uh that's crazy. Maybe I'll drive. I'll just drive. If it's I start way up for if I if I start driving now really slowly, you'll get through your forty five person wait list, and then it'll be my turn.
0: Just because it's forty five <laughs> people on the wait list doesn't
1: mean they're all getting on the show. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. So if I start driving now, then I can be on it then, right? Absolutely. <laughs> (laughs) So good. Mate, always a pleasure, mate. Thank you again. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to another episode of Lifelong Learner. If you like this episode and want to know more and hear other episodes, head over to lifelonglearnerpodcast.com where you can subscribe to our newsletter where you'll be the first to know when new podcast episodes come out. And if you want to say hello, tell us a joke or ask us a question, send us an email at hello at... Lifelonglearnerpodcast. Thanks again.